Today on this 75th church birthday, we are beginning a new sermon series that we are calling appropriately enough Birthday Party. Each Sunday for the next five weeks, we are going to look back on some of those stories from our church's history, from our past, and ask ourselves how those stories might inform our faith, our fellowship, our mission, our worship, our life together as a congregation now and into the future. And so we begin this day by considering 75 years of faith, hearing these verses from Romans chapter 12, 9 through 21. Let us listen once more for a word from God. Paul writes to the church saying, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. And to the best, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, Paul concludes, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Friends, this too is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, settle into this space now. Indeed, O God, send your spirit that it would stir in our hearts, that it would light a flame, that like a candle would spread your light to the world around us. Indeed, O God, we pray that through your spirit, the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts gathered here in your sight would be pleasing and glorifying to you. For you and you alone are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The Presbyterians' momentum was building in the summer of 1946. What had begun as just a small group of people who gathered on the front porch of the Findig family just across Kingsway on Virginia Street had grown to such a size that they were forced to abandon their quarters there and move on down the way to the village area where they began to worship in the casino theater. If you read the story on the back of our bulletin this morning, 
You will note that it illustrates how that move that summer was really the culmination of several years of starts and stops to that point of much prayer and persistence. It was makeshift, one account from that time reads. On hot summer days, the doors to the theater had to be opened and the congregation in turn had to sing a little bit louder in order to be heard over the voices of the families picnicking out in the park in the jukebox that was around the corner. It was makeshift, but there was a spirit of unity and purpose, they remember, which held the group together in those early days and drew others to it. 46 women and men chartered St. Simon's Presbyterian Church as an official congregation of the Savannah Presbytery on September 29, 1946, almost 75 years ago to the day. A commission from our presbytery of elders and pastors from across southeast Georgia came to help start our church, the entire congregation of First Presbyterian Brunswick, out of which the seeds of our congregation were initially planted, canceled their morning worship and came to worship with this new church of believers that day. And the Reverend Frank Elvery of First Presbyterian Douglas, Georgia, was assigned to be the preacher. The sermon he preached that day was titled, The Vision of a Church. I have this friend who, not long ago, put together this little chart where he tried to delineate the difference between a vision and an idea. They sound really similar, don't they? But in fact, when you look closely, you will discover that there are several big differences between a vision and an idea. Speaking within the context of the church, he said, a vision is born from prayer and pain, while an idea is often born from boredom or underemployment. With a vision, God is necessary. With an idea, God is often little more than a potential partner. With a vision, people hear it and they ask, how can I help? With an idea, people often hear it and they say, well, sounds like you know what you're doing. A vision requires imagination. An idea is more of a transactional behavior. A, a vision is best told in, in person, while an idea can be told with a good PowerPoint presentation. An idea often only dies when and if someone has a better idea. But a vision only dies if and when God needs something else to be born. You know, I searched high and low over these last few weeks for a text of Reverend Elvery's sermon that day. Even to know what scripture passages he had preached from would have done the trick for me. I found a bulletin from that September 29th, 1946 service. And when you open it, it has the order of worship, but where I'd hoped to find the scripture readings, it just says scripture wasn't too much help. The more I thought about it, though, the more I wondered if perhaps the text that Reverend Elvery was preaching from that day were, was not these verses we just read from Romans chapter 12. 
After all, Paul here is writing to, preaching really to a brand new church. This fledgling group of believers in Rome. Right? He's speaking to this group of people for whom there have been all kinds of starts and stops. This group of people who are struggling day in and day out to be heard over the cacophony of a society that doesn't much care what they have to say. What's interesting to me about Romans, if you step back and you look at the book as a whole, even specifically these verses, it's interesting to me that Paul doesn't lay out a big list of ideas for the church about ways they can perhaps improve attendance or grow in number, does he? There are no suggestions anywhere in Romans that, hey guys, maybe you should tweak your order of worship. Maybe you should reformat your bulletin. That might help get people's attention. There's nothing about retooling their Wednesday night menu because people are just tired of the chicken fingers at this point. (laughs) Paul doesn't list ideas for the church in Rome. He gives them a vision. Right? He invites them to imagine this life that they could live that is born from prayer and pain rather than boredom and convenience. He invites them to imagine this life that requires imagination, this life that invites them to to think and live as if their own well-being depends on the well-being of their neighbors around them. Right? He invites them into this life where, where God is something much more than a potential partner. This life where God is the very foundation of everything they do and everything they say and everything they believe. You know, I did this interesting exercise last week with our session. That's the governing body of our church. We gathered for our meeting on Tuesday night. And I had this sort of mock-up, a little sketch of the church that Nat Scott drew for me last minute. And I gave each elder post-its. And we read those verses that Anne read for us from 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that speak of Jesus Christ as being the foundation of everything. And I asked the elders on Tuesday night, I want you to write on the post-it what you think are the foundational gifts and strengths of St. Simon's Presbyterian Church. What was really interesting to me as people began to take, bring these uh, post-its rather forward and, and put them there at the base of that little black and white church, what was interesting to me was that they didn't list any ministries of our church. There was no post-it that said Wednesday night children's program or online book study. There was nothing about chancel choir or youth group, right? Instead, they wrote words like welcome, like generosity. They wrote phrases like a cooperative spirit. They wrote things like Christ-centered, service-oriented. And it occurred to me in that moment that, you know, I had been thinking about today all wrong. 
for weeks now, I have been thinking about this moment right now that we're sitting in as being this moment when we were going to celebrate all of the wonderful ideas that St. Simon's Presbyterian Church has had over 75 years. And there are so many good ideas that we have had as a church. Days of service like the one we did just yesterday, hunger action team, live nativity, angel tree, food. Most of our ideas seem to center around food here. Right? I thought today was all about celebrating all of the great ideas that we have had as a church for 75 years now. But what I realized as I read the post-its that were, that were posted there at the foundation of that church was actually what we are celebrating today is the vision that God has given us for nearly three quarters of a century. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized that the vision God has given us is no different than the vision God gave Paul to give to that church in Rome. Because when we talk about 75 years of faith, what we're really talking about is 75 years of striving, however imperfectly. And let's be clear, we have not always done it, nor do it perfectly. I feel like a better tagline for our church and most every church I've ever been a part of would be, this is an imperfect church full of imperfect people who are imperfectly striving to worship and serve a perfect God. Amen? When we talk about 75 years of faith, what we're really talking about is 75 years of striving, however imperfectly, to be a community that lives out the vision Paul writes about here in Romans 12, a community that is devoted to loving one another, a community that shares with with people in need, a community that, that associates with and cares for the least and the lost and the lonely, a community that rejoices with those who rejoice and mourns with those who mourn, a community that practices hospitality. Right? When we talk about 75 years of faith, what we're really talking about is the fact that our churches, any church's ideas are only good, they're only faithful, they're only worthy of cupcakes and celebration if they are born from a vision that has the God who welcomes, the God who includes, the God who loves and serves and eats and plays with, the God we meet in Jesus Christ, in other words. Our church's ideas are only good if they are born from a vision that has our God and Jesus Christ as its foundation. You know, I'm reminded of the story of a pastor who was once on vacation with his wife in Scotland. I was going to make a joke here, I won't. (laughs) They couldn't pass up the opportunity to go to church while on vacation. And so when Sunday rolled around, they got dressed and they went to the 11 a.m. service for this small Church of Scotland congregation near their hotel. And when they got there, they 
were given a bulletin and they sat down and they opened it and they were surprised to read that that congregation on that very day they were in worship was celebrating their 1200th church anniversary. This pastor said, you know, what was even more surprising and impressive really to me was when my wife and I looked around, everyone else in the congregation that day only seemed kind of impressed by that number. He said there were no banners, no parties, no visiting dignitaries, no announcements about a new capital campaign, don't worry. He said, this congregation, 1,200 years, they were just quietly acknowledging that day that they had been worshiping in this location for a very, very long time and that they were thanking God for the divine providence that had been with them all those long years. He said, the only thing they did in worship that was special was the clerk of session stood up and read a short history of a very long history, and then he said the next thing you knew, the pastor was in the pulpit beginning the next installment on her series on the book of Job. It was as if they were saying, he said, yes, of course, yes, of course. This this sounds like the gospel to us. The gospel that perseveres through highs and lows through kings and queens, through famines and wars and modernity and whatever else history brought to the church or even what the church had done to itself. 1,200 years and there they were sitting in the pews, nodding their heads, saying, yes, of course. The gospel, it's still here. Now, back to today's text from Scripture. I don't know what Reverend Elvery preached on, not even the text, on September 29, 1946. I don't know what his vision for our church was that day 75 years ago. But you know, I do know what our vision should be today. The vision of this church should be to be a community of people where hospitality is practiced, where both joy and grief are shared. This should be a community of people where even the lowest have a seat at the table, where evil never has the final say. A community of people that should be devoted to loving one another community of people who should never lose sight of the fact that our story, 75 years worth of it now, is really just one piece of a much bigger and longer story. Our vision, in other words, as a church, it should be God's vision, shouldn't it? My hope is that the vision of our church This day will be to be a community of people where in another 75, another 100, another 500, I don't know, another 1,200 years, 
people will still gather in this space or in a space like it. And they'll nod their heads and say, yep, the gospel is still here. For the sake of the gospel and for the sake of the world, may it be so this day and forevermore. Amen.